to the Over Beers Podcast. I'm Freddie Clark. Craft beer is popular. However, to many, it can still be a mysterious product that people misunderstand. Lots will say, I don't like craft beer. After trying maybe only one or two that don't agree with their palate. People have many different tastes, many different likes and dislikes. And like any other food, there are many different types of beer with a variety of different tastes. Some may find the sheer number of beer, styles, and breweries overwhelming and just not know where to start. The goal of this podcast, Over Beers, is to remove some of the mystery behind the term craft beer, bring you conversations with professionals in the world of beer, help explain some of the terms in beer, and more importantly, introduce you to different styles of beer so you can experience the world of flavors that exist in craft beer. Come on along. Every week, we're going to talk about something before the interview that you may not know about, but may be afraid to ask. You know, maybe something that we've talked about in the upcoming interview, but this week, we're going to go down to the bare bones. What is the definition of a craft brewery? As defined by the Brewers Association, an American craft brewery is small, independent, and traditional. Those three things. Take them one at a time. Small. An annual production of 6 million barrels of beer or less. Sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. It's nothing compared to the big boys. Number two, independent. Less than 25% of the craft brewery is owned or controlled by an alcohol industry member that is not itself a craft brewer. Translation, no outside money from big breweries. And then three, traditional. A brewer that has a majority of its total beverage alcohol volume in beers whose flavor derives from traditional or innovative brewing ingredients and their fermentation. First off, craft beer is generally made with traditional ingredients like malted barley, hops, water, and yeast. Those are the four big boys. Interesting and sometimes non-traditional ingredients can often be added for distinctiveness, but not to help cheapen the brewing process. The hallmark of craft beer and craft brewers usually is innovation. So craft brewers are going to interpret historical styles and add their own unique twists and develop new styles that may not have any precedent. As of the end of 2016, there are over 5,200 craft breweries in the United States. And that number, thankfully, still appears to be growing. The majority of Americans live within 10 miles of a craft brewery. Yay! Yet, it only accounts for about 12% of the market share of the overall U.S. beer market. So let's get to the interview. This week, I sat down with Ari Bildner, the general manager of New Jersey Beer Company. Ari and I sat in the tap room, put a couple of beers out in front of us, and started talking about how he got into it and where New Jersey Beer Co. is heading. Here's our conversation over beers. You know, I'd say the overall themes are the creativity and you want an alternative. I mean, kind of our society is built on wanting uh, alternatives and options. And back in 2000, let's see, I, I came of age <laughs> to, um, to date myself. I think I turned 21 in 2008. But, um, you know, I graduated in college in 2009 and, um, you know, the sort of the Great Recession. And then I found myself out in Colorado, of all places, working for a very... Uh, scrappy startup in 2012 just kind of packed things up um, I'd already started to try out beers actually about five years ago 
I was uh, living here kind of between jobs and had sort of just downloaded Untapped, which is now like the app for check-ins for beers and kind of seeing in Montclair, and I think I bought my first Hudson Pale Ale six-pack then too yeah. uh, of from New Jersey Beer Company in, in a Montclair liquor store, but I just started to see the um, that, you know, I guess I was looking for more interesting drinking options, but also just, you know, kind of starting to just read about what was happening and starting to be able to make those, you know, see what other people were drinking and see what kind of the world, the, the world was expanding in terms of craft beverages and beer. And my family's been in the food business for a long time and food and beverage has always been like, just kind of like genetic in, in our, in our, in, in us. And we've been in New Jersey a long time, but anyway, I kind of moved from here to Colorado and 2012 and coming off I'm talking too much but um, (laughs) and I was working for a startup but I was in Boulder Colorado home of the craft beer um, basically the home of the craft beer movement for you know that's where the Brewers Association is located and um, really went out there thinking that you know I could finding a job but like also just kind of networking drinking at local breweries and just was exposed to what you know the cutting edge of like what people were doing with with beer um all the things we kind of take for granted now cans um you know interesting interestingly hopped ipas uh tap room the tap room experience everything there was it's just really a buzz with like all these new breweries and that was five years ago um and that had preceded that, but like I had just kind of been exposed to it all around me 24-7 and met some great brewers, met some legendary people actually, amazingly, who were down to earth and just loved the community. Um, so I kind of put that in my back pocket and uh, came back at Yeast, moved, you know, went to business school, you know, uh, never kind of leaving craft beer behind and started to experiment homebrewing myself. And uh, that was kind of what did it for me. I mean, I think you, you ask a lot of people and it's homebrewing, but... Yeah, um, that I, tends to be the... Yeah. That the introductory be, drug of choice. Exactly. I mean, b- between classes, I was running home. People knew me as like the beer soaked, like my shirt was like beer soaked in like the my in the lecture halls because I was bottling, you know, from 12 to 1 and then in class from 1.30 to 3. And that's all I talked about with people. And it, it's, everyone made the assumption that, that was, I was going into that. And, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of time on my hands to experiment with home brewing, but also to maybe learn some of the business aspects and meet home brewers in Connecticut which is a real big growing market now um, for for great craft breweries coming up the pipeline. And so I I, um, had just kind of, um, you know, that's kind of what got me into it. And then I connected with Paul Silverman, who's the... uh, who's the chairman and uh, majority owner of, of NJ Birko now? And he, I'd, I'd been in touch with him uh, for a couple of years just because he, it, uh, just friends of friends and same town, Montclair. And uh, yeah, just kind of reached out to him. And, uh, you know, it was all timing, and the general manager uh, position was, was, uh, going to be open so uh you know that's that's when i was like yeah i guess i'm really doing this <laughs> For, you know so <laughs> cool yeah, yeah now when you said a startup was it a beer startup brewery startup out there no, no no it was actually no it was a tech it was a small tech gotcha. a very okay if you've seen silicon valley it, it doesn't feel too dissimilar but uh less well funded and less pithy dialogue i would say um (laughs) but you know when when we get together as startups we kind of drink all craft beer and like meet at breweries or like bring in the local breweries it's very intertwined i mean tech and i think one of the like the seminar the the ongoing like tech meetups is like ipas and 
some play on words, but I mean, it was, uh, it's always been very intertwined with the, the tech community there, uh, which is kind of scrappy, innovative, a uh, little, um, yeah, a little bit small, has a chip on its shoulder because it's not Silicon Valley. And I think, you know, it, it meshes very well. So I got that exposure there. Right. Um, well, Colorado so, has a great beer scene, amazing beer scene. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 where we all go. To, I think when I before I started here, I made a point of going to Colorado. Before I started NJ Beer Co, I made a point of going to Colorado for four four or five days with zero like zero agenda, see some friends, but literally just to try out beers and and talk to and see the taproom experience because and um, really just kind of immerse myself. Uh, to bring myself full of inspiration back here and, you know, get a running start. Um, you know, I think we, you know, the tickets are on sale today for the Great American Beer Festival, and that's kind of the holy grail of, like, of everything. Uh, but, you know, we, we all go out to the West Coast for inspiration, but I think more and more, you know, I think we now find it, we can go to Dogfish Head or we can go to, a, you know, to the Massachusetts, to Treehouse or to, to Boston, to and Vermont, of course, to see, to really find that inspiration. We don't have to be subservient to like what San Diego is doing or what Colorado is doing, right. so. But a lot of the East Coast, I don't want to say fell behind, but in a lot of ways, like you mentioned, the tap rooms. I mean, up until what was it, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2012, yeah. you couldn't have one in New Jersey. And that and that set us behind, yep. you know, and I, I don't want to be dramatic, but, you know, I'm on the legislative committee for the guild. And I, I want to say I'm one of the, the less I, I like to keep up with it. I, I wish I could be in more meetings. But one thing I found is, you know, it's really set us behind, um, it, you know, and I, I, that's true of other states, too. It's it's um, it legislation drives a lot of the progress. I mean, a lot of this you, you, you go to Brick City, New here or a lot of the other breweries and they waited for that taproom change to be signed by uh christie actually and you know they waited because that that's that's such a vital part of the business and we were never set up for that so um you know tap rooms and west coast were operating and even in, in places like pennsylvania i think we're operating much earlier and with much less restrictions and it's it's a, still a dogfight. i mean there's a lot of entrenches interests and but i think a lot of you know i can't go into my whole legislative spiel <laughs> but i think you know the more the grassroots, each brewery's, you know, it's all local now. And that, that means people want to drink local. And that means like we're going to influence our local legislators and decision makers. And I think that's having an impact. I don't want to be too, I want to be, you know, cautious, but I, you know, there's been some good movement, but it, it certainly set us back and it certainly discouraged people. And even I had thought about opening a brewery, uh, uh, before business school, um, I thought maybe Newark would be a good spot. You know, like places where unconventional spaces. And I looked at some places in the in Essex County and Hudson County, um, just kind of looking around. Um, right when I was getting into craft beer, I was a little overzealous, but like, you know, I I think the the climate may have was just kind of the shifting now. But now, you know, I'd say please, you know, open your brewery in New Jersey. We're we're still underserved. Yeah. So. You think so? So we're over like seventy now, right? It's like seventy. Yeah, Somewhere I say, I say, right I say 85 with some in planning. Um, you know, there's some great ones. And we're all, you know, we're still small enough that it's nice that we know each other. Next Monday, we'll have our guild meeting down in Dark City in uh, Asbury Park, a great brewery. That is a nice one, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a you know, great brewery. And Asbury's really coming into its own um, now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard question. I, I wonder about that. Um, 
it's more of an issue of like changing the market itself because I, but I always say to people and I don't know, I haven't really done the math, but I, I think intuitively I know this. Um, and, and there is like if the Brewers Association is you look at like Colorado and you look at places out West and you know, you compare like an average suburb of like Denver to an average suburb in New Jersey and you see who has craft beer awareness or awareness or who's beer drinking or drinking or potential customer base and it's just it's night and day i think and so we're kind of engaged in like expanding the market and like mm-hmm. bringing a, it's an awareness campaign probably more than anything um so i think the market is still underdeveloped but um and i don't know if just opening more breweries is going to change that i think we have to uh yeah i think the laws have to change a little bit and i think the the distribution is a whole nother point, I, you know, is really going to have to change. We're, we're still stuck kind of a little bit in the past, I think. Right, so, right. well, I mean, it is hard. I mean, like, I, like I was telling you earlier, I was at a, I was at a bar. Yeah. Uh, last week. And yeah. it was, you know, a big conglomerate definitely yeah. owned all the taps and yeah. it was, you know, they had quote unquote craft beer. Yeah. What they're building is craft beer, but has been bought out by, the big boys. Yeah. And it's alongside all of the standards, you know, all the big standards and their craft labels. But there was, uh, from a tap perspective, there was no New Jersey craft beer there. They had some yeah. cans, but there was nothing that I would call New Jersey craft. Yeah. And that, the, no, that's, that's, that's the problem we find all the time. And there was just an article on this, like these zombie brands, you know, Blue Moon. And listen, I'll drink them sometimes, you know, it's, you know, they're, like I, I'm not going to be a, a elitist, but yeah, they're not local brands, and they were bought out, and oftentimes the product has suffered, and yeah, they're not they're not local, and they don't I, I don't unfortunately they're mistaken as craft brands, but it's also a philosophical debate of like what you believe is is craft and non-craft, but there for a lot of us who've been drinking, even for like I, I'm not you know I'm 30 now, but I've been drinking. <laughs> Been drinking for a good nine years legally, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I people will say, you know, noticeably Goose Island and and Blue Moon, of course, the quality had had suffered greatly. Yeah, and unfortunately, they're marketed as something they aren't, right. um, and they're they're actually, and they fill the spaces that we could be filling, and that's that's as much a distribution problem as a as a as a marketing problem, um, but. Yeah, you know it's it, it's it's a big issue when you go to decision beer buyers and beer managers, and uh, so that's why we try to emphasize local. I mean, we're all local now, but you know there's 85 of us local people, but um, oftentimes we're yeah we're still confined to one or two tap handles or one or two, you know one or two fridge kind of unit fridge spaces. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's a big problem, and a lot of those are pseudo craft like zombie brands that kind of the. The soul of them has been taken out for a long time, and you know they guess kind of linger on as subsidiaries. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it is nice that you do. I mean, you can seek out and find. <clears throat> you can seek out and find some good. We'll say go from the bar perspective. You know where you find a place, Cloverleaf. Yeah. There's tons of local taps. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, uh, Maloney's down in Matawan. Maloney's, yeah. Tons of local tap. You know, plus tons of other craft outside of New Jersey. But there's a lot of it that is there and, and just for the, you know, if you look for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those are the great places. I'm the, I also like the tap room in Somerset Hills and that uh, Somerset Hills Hotel. Um, you know, some of these places, you know, we, we you rotate on so quick and 
and, and off. And it's frustrating from a general manager's point, but honestly, I, I support them wholeheartedly. You know, they're doing great work, you know, in Cloverleaf too. We were, we had luckily to have our Cezanne in there for a little bit. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of options and they're, they're really emphasizing an Atlas public bar down in, in Jersey city and other place. They buy almost all New Jersey beer, but yeah, you know, there, there, there are some great signs. People really, uh, there's some places that are really devoted. You know, they, they, the feeling is they can find great beer next door, and, and that means more to their customers than, you know, a more generic sort of alternative. And yeah, so. So, what do you remember? What beer it was that got you hooked on craft beer? That's a great question. I I almost want to look into my untapped history, um, <laughs> which is so sad. Um, back in 2012. Oh gosh. Um, what beer got me hooked? You know what? I, I'm, I'm. This is maybe an unpopular opinion, but there's a few. I, I definitely. I remember during Hurricane Sandy, and this brewery has a history with Hurricane Sandy being having been flooded. Um, Boulevard Boulevard um, Brewing in in um, in. Uh, St. Louis, their flagship saison. I remember, like, I was hunkered down in Montclair watching my parents' dogs, and I was like, "I'll just treat myself to some good beer." And I have this new, like, untapped app, and um, so that was great. I, I remember I was like, "Wow, there's just like complexity to this." Um, strangely enough, and, and this this is I want to shout out Sam Adams of all you know I, I have a great respect for what they you know they're an independent company yeah they're big but they've been successful and they've done they've tried things without success that no other brewery their size would do like a Lambic so I remember drinking and this is bizarre and if you look this up on, on beer menus you're not going to find some great reviews but they tried a Cranberry Lambic you know in their that. six pack bottle yep. yeah I was like wow I don't think I would have exposure to a Lambic back in you know back when I was just really starting to get into craft beer and I was like, this is really interesting. Let me learn more about the Belgian style. And I got to go to Belgium a couple of years ago and uh, to Brussels and you know, try some great lambics. And, you know, I like kudos to them. I just expanding my horizons. And I think they did a, um, you know, they've done some odd thing like this, like the, uh, like a Norwegian, like juniper berry beer or something or Scandinavian juniper berry beer. Um, so, and, and they're available everywhere. And yeah. you know, that, um, they've, they've done a lot and especially recently. Yeah. I've noticed an explosion of, of Sam Adams stuff on the shelves. Yeah. You know, I mean, just we were out the other day, their summer ale, they have a summer pack with a lot of different flavors in there. And I mean, I'll go back even further. Yeah. I remember when Sam Adams was the first, at the time, you know, microbrewery. Yeah, that yeah. That was, you know, when I was growing up, it was, you know, it was Budweiser, yeah. Miller Lite, and your imports. You know, you had Molson, yeah. Moosehead, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the microbrewery started. Yeah. And Sam led the way with that, and it was, you know, that was the first, to your point, that was one of the first flavorful beers yeah. And it didn't have to taste like, you know, not to be a snob, it didn't have to taste like water. Yeah. You know? No, 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 I, no, that's, I, yeah, I mean that, you know, that, and of course, and, you know, I, gosh, I'm trying to think, that's a great question, and that's like, that should be like the why we fight question for any, <laughs> any general manager, um, but it was kind of just sort of a, a broad exposure, and then in New York, you know, I mean, definitely when I was here by like 2012, there was starting to be some great beer and then Colorado was just like a over sensory overload with the amount uh, twisted pine brewing shout out to them great brewery in Colorado that 
may not have it, they don't have the distribution but Bob the owner is great and they were doing like habanero beers and their brown ale was probably and then I would say the formative beer that that gave me inspiration for how to run a craft brewery was Upslope Brewing in, in Boulder they they did it right. They started in cans. They they really emphasized their water source. Um, they made like four or five good beers, not so dissimilar to us, just really well. And then they had an offsite like tap room, which is something I'd love for us to have someday, um, where they could just do like research R and D sort of small batches mm-hmm. and really be a show front to like the people. And I, I went there a lot and. Uh, they did a great podcast the 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 founder of it and like talked about how he got started and they've always been like a kind of like a role model for me so all right so let's to get back to talk about new jersey beer Mm -hmm. co a little bit what year then did the new jersey beer co start uh we were we were incorporated in 2009 as like an entity but we didn't start brewing in 2000 until 2010 and i want to say and i'm always a little uh, i think we started distributing like early 2000 spring summer 2010 okay. um it was matt steinberg he's a, a local he was a, a home brewer had some good recipes hudson pale ale abby and the stout i believe those three kind of and you know he just kind of had this dream and he was really determined and he lived up like four blocks from here and just kind of uh kind of ran with that um so yeah that was early 2000 late 2009 early 2010 yeah what what have you guys built out recently what's what the i mean right now we're drinking lbipa uh how you know how old is that one yeah the lbipa is is about five years old now uh it was i my understanding is that the original brewer uh, matt and and uh everyone uh, kind of the other early founders were not interested in brewing IPAs. Uh, they really liked, they weren't wanting to brew IPA for an IPA's sake, but I, I think Brendan, who was our, who's out card and brewing, Brendan O'Neill, uh, he introduced the, the LBIPA in around 2012. And kind of the lead, the, the apocryphal legend is that it was in the tank when Sandy was, was actually swamping the brewery and he, uh, and it almost contaminated the floodwaters. I mean, you can still see the marks on our bathroom wall. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly had a huge impact on the brewery. And um, yeah, you know, he um, it, it was almost contaminated, but like the first batch got out okay. It was tested, I, I think, by Yingling in Pennsylvania of all people. Like they they gave it the okay. They said, don't worry, there's no issue. Uh, floodwaters didn't reach it, but then it won the won the silver medal in the on the Atlantic City Beer Festival in 2014, which is a big uh, in I believe in the New Jersey uh, section. So that was a big that was a big moment for it, and uh, yeah, so that was introduced not at the start, but it's been the foundation of the brewery. And you know, two of our two of our our both of our big barrel tanks, our 40 barrel tanks, are are filled up filled to the brim with it on a daily basis uh, on a weekly basis because it's it's you know it's it's the breadwinner it's the flagship it's what people know and it's a great recipe it's it's just a uh you know it's a, and it really hasn't changed uh, that all which is nice too we haven't had to reformulate it at all um that much although dave would probably know a little bit more uh but yeah no recent so recently if you want me to go into that sure so 
I mean, we went from like four, basically, I think it was four taps here to now we have eight taps, which is, and we have about 10 to 11 year round beers, uh, uh, year round and seasonal beers, but consistently made like in the, so, you know, we've, we've added the Pit Boss, double IPA was kind of the first one. And the Wee Heavy has been around, and Dave, that's kind of Dave's specialty, um, uh, brewing the Scotch, 9% Scotch Ale during the winter months. Kind of a cult favorite. Delicious. Got to make sure people know it's a 9% beer otherwise, because <laughs> there it's uh, it's just our one thing we do really nicely is hide the boot, kind of the booziness that mm-hmm. can really accompany high high gravity beers, uh, and kind of we we keep the focus on the malt and we keep the focus when we need to be on the hops and the yeast, frankly too. Um, so um, yeah, the pit bosses we introduced that last August, really just for the Atlantic City market, but. You know, we thought it was going to be kind of like a one-off, two-off thing. Again, we're we're not like a, we're not rushing to do IPAs every minute. It's not something we've always been. You know, our brewers, Med and Dave. You know, I, I the, you know, it, it's very easy to jump on that train. But you know, there's some great breweries like Magnify and you know other other half in Brooklyn and you know uh, you know Brick City that you know you know do IPAs and they do they do it well and they get the the interesting hops and. You know, we 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 do what we know, and we, we like our recipes. And the pit boss was kind of a yeah, it was a little bit of a leap, but it's, yeah, it's a nicely balanced, a little bit more malty of a double IPA, and mm-hmm. it was made for obviously the Atlantic City market, and that's still the biggest customer of it. But um, you know, Mammoth Racetrack, and then a lot of liquor stores. I mean, we thought it was a one-off, but once we put it in cans, October, our first cans, which was a really exciting moment in the brewery, uh, sixteen ounce cans. You know, that was. We saw that we, we we saw it sell out really quickly, and then we just kind of kept it on the rotation. Um, uh, it's a uh, you know it's an 8.5 percent. Uh, it's not a beast of a beer, but it's it's certainly again it doesn't taste like an 8.5 percent beer, but it's um, and it's nicely balanced. But it's it, uh, we just like it's it's just a nice addition to what we have. And you know, I, well, I'll be honest. You know, everyone's making a double IPA, and you know, there's a, plenty of them to choose from. But you know, that's. You know, we we wanted we want to make what people drink, and if they're drinking double IPAs, we'll make our own our own take on it. So that's our theory. We won't do like twelve different I, double IPAs, but we'll do right. we'll do one, and we'll do it well, and we'll do it consistently. So well, right, well, and yeah. I've always noticed you guys. I mean, you guys have a, a a wide array of styles, so you're not pigeonholing yourself, like you said, not just doing IPAs. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a bunch of different things going on. Um, so. I, you talk about canning. I noticed right now you're only canning three of them, right? Yeah. The LBIPA, the Pit Boss, and then the Beach. Beach Watch, Beach yeah, Watch. for this for summer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, are there plans to do more canning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we have the design for the Hudson Pale Ale. That's that's really going forward. I I mean, that was our original recipe for the brewery. It's really the heart and soul of the brewery. It's a delicious East Coast Pale Ale. Yeah, again, really hop restrained, kind of a little spiciness at the end. Um, we're using Chinook, and I have to double check this, but a Centennial-like hop at the end. But really, just it's not the focus. It's not really on the hops, but it just... It's a really great beer, and it's unique out there in pale ales, which is hard to say, I think. And so we're going to put that in cans next. Hopefully, early fall, uh, we're releasing our Pilsner. Uh, so, we, yeah, we've done all ales, but we're going to do our first lager, uh, which is in the tanks now. It's going to be released on August 23rd at the brewery, and we'll, we'll do a short run of canning on that. And uh, 
we're using Mount Hood hops, uh, you know, not traditional German, uh, German Pilsner hops like Hallertau or any of the noble hops. But um, yeah, we use some, we have some Mount Hood lying around and we can be crafty with it. And we've tasted it out of the tank and we like what we see. And so Parkway Pilsner, that's the Parkway name. Parkway Pilsner. Yeah, okay. mark it on your calendars. I'll, 23rd, that'll be, that's, that's kind of a, uh, yeah, that's kind of the test to see if, you know, you know we we've always been an ale brewing uh, brewery um, but you know my, my theory last year has been let's just try stuff you know that's what people want to see I think I saw the other day you guys had your thir- 300th beer this, uh, the your 300th recipe Parkway Pilsner is our 600th brew according to our record so oh, okay. each brew being a 10 barrel we're on a 10 barrel brew house also a smaller Swiss than we should than we would like to be we'd like to upgrade to a 15-20 barrel so that means for each of those 40 barrel tanks we're doing the brew four times or two times which is you know a two three day process um, yeah this according to our records the Pilsner is our was our 599 and 600th brew in brewing history so cool uh, since for seven years so yeah. it's exciting it's a that that's part of the commemoration of like the uh that's why we're doing something different um our uh Matt noticed it a couple months ago i was like hey we have our 600 brew coming up and i'm like oh it's exciting i you know so that's uh yeah it's you know it's 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 nice not a lot of breweries uh, a lot of breweries were old by craft beer years and it's 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 nice to uh, have some new tricks but also be be cognizant of what pe- brought people here in the first place so yeah all right are you still home brewing you know what this is a great day to ask yesterday i <laughs> i i and you know the weather's been great and i pulled out my equipment and i whipped together a wa- watermelon wheat b- beer kind of um it was messy and sloppy and i'd forgotten all the tricks and you know my uh, my kitchen's a mess and that's what i'm going <laughs> home to clean but you know ever since i i didn't hadn't pulled it out for me for a year because i've been so busy in commercial brewing but um you know it's great to pull it out you know i'm you know the brewers we have great brewers here and at dave home brews i know and you know obviously Matt has, has great some great recipes like chairman of the gourd but it's good for me too to like you know both you know be able to be with them in the process and then you know pull out my own equipment and and you know it's like i, I again you know you it's a it's very easy you know we're i gotta remind people we're at a light we're in a light manufacturing facility which is not something <laughs> I thought I'd ever be running, but right, right. you know, you, you and it can be a grind, you know, uh, getting things out to distributor. Every brewery will, you know, say this, and a lot of them distribute themselves, which is you know another another dimension. But you know, it's great to you know pull out your equipment and yeah, it's got to clean everything, oh, uh, cleaning. But um, it, it was just nice to be like reminded of like, oh yeah, this is what it's you know the smell of the malt and the hops and going back to so, the going back to the roots. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Ari. Go check out New Jersey Beer Company on Tunnelly Avenue in North Bergen, New Jersey. Their website is njbeerco.com. That's it for this episode of Over Beers. I hope you enjoyed it. Check out our website at overbeers.beer for more information about the podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm Freddie Clark, and this has been the Over Beers Podcast.